Welcome to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Join us in person for worship each Sunday at 9.30 a.m. For more information about Covenant, including discipleship and mission opportunities, visit us at www.covenantpresjackson.org. Suddenly, he woke up. It was still dark. It was still night. But there was no going back to sleep. His mind was racing. His heart was pounding, for it had happened again. This was the second time now in only a matter of months. He had had a dream. And not just any dream, but a dream in which an angel appeared, a dream in which a mighty messenger of the Lord spoke to him. The first time it happened, he was about to quietly end his engagement, for his world had been turned upside down. The woman that he was going to marry was pregnant. He had assumed that Mary had been unfaithful, but before he could end it, before he could carry out his plan, an angel spoke to him in a dream saying, Joseph, Mary has not been unfaithful. The child within her is from the Holy Spirit. God, the Spirit, the child within her is conceived through the Holy Spirit. This child has no earthly father. God is his father. Do not divorce Mary. Take her as your wife. And when the child is born, take him as your own and name him Jesus. Joseph had listened to the angel. He had obeyed God's word. He took Mary as his wife. He named the child that was born to her Jesus and he would raise him as his own son. And as far as Joseph could tell, Jesus was like any other baby. He got hungry, he got cold, he got tired, he ate, he cried, he slept. Yet this baby was God's son. This baby was God with us, God in the flesh who had come to save. And there he was held in Mary's arms. And then the Magi arrived, wise men from the east. They had bowed down before Jesus, worshiped Jesus, offered him costly treasures, gifts fit for a king. And now another dream, another message. This time the angel had said, get up, rise up, flee, leave Bethlehem, leave Judea, take Mary and Jesus, go to Egypt, go tonight and stay there. Why? Why did the angel tell Joseph to leave? Why did they need to flee? Herod. King Herod. And once again, Joseph, listen, once again, Joseph obeyed. It was a day of weeping day of tears. It was a day of sorrow, a day of lamentation. It was a day of shock, a day of anger, a day that felt unreal, a day that felt surreal. It was like walking through a dream, only, only the dream was a nightmare, one in which you don't get the relief of waking up from because it's real. And maybe you've experienced a time like that. 
when they were dead, brutally slaughtered. The babies, infants, toddlers, at least 20, maybe 30, maybe 40, all boys, all under the age of two, all in Bethlehem. Boys who were loved by parents, loved by brothers and sisters and grandparents and neighbors, now dead, now lifeless, now cold. It had all happened so suddenly. It had happened without warning. Soldiers descended upon Bethlehem, going from home to home, seeking and searching only for boys, only under the age of two. They were pulled from their mother's arms, seized from cradles, snatched from homes. They were pierced. They were crushed, murdered. Bethlehem was a town of sorrow, a town of tears. Rachel wept for her children. This is a quote from our Old Testament reading, a quote from the prophet Jeremiah. The year was 586 BC. Jerusalem had fallen, fallen to Babylon, mighty Babylon. The, the army of Babylon had torn down the walls of the city, reduced the temple to rubble, and now God's people were gathering at Ramah because they were being forced into exile, forced to leave their homes or what was left of them, forced to go to Babylon. And Rachel wept. This is Rachel, who was the wife of Jacob, Jacob, the son of Isaac, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, Jacob, whose name was later changed by God to Israel. Now, by the time of the exile, Rachel had been dead for many, many years. Jeremiah is not saying that she is weeping from the grave or that her ghost is, is weeping. He's simply using Rachel as a literary device to accentuate the emotion, the sorrow, the pain of God's people who had lost everything and were now marching into exile. It's, it's like being shocked at something and say, well, I bet old so-and-so is rolling over in his grave. Well, old so-and-so can't really roll over in his grave, and old so-and-so really doesn't care what's going on. But saying that heightens the impact. It heightens the emotion of what you're talking about. Rachel wept for her children. She wept for her descendants who were forced from their home and forced into exile. Well, centuries later, Matthew says that once again, Rachel weeps. This time she weeps over the needless slaughter of her children, her descendants in Bethlehem. Now, why? Why was it a day of weeping? Why was it a day of sorrow? Herod. King Herod. In the year 50 BC, the Roman Senate declared Herod king over Judea because Rome controlled the land of Israel. Rome governed the people of God, and they decided that they would govern through a king. But they appointed a king who was never fully accepted. Now, besides being appointed by military occupiers, Herod was not a descendant of David. Only one in the line of David, only a son of David could be the true king of Israel. Herod was not. 
Herod was not even Jewish. He was ethnically Arabic, religiously Jewish sometimes. He was culturally Greek and politically Roman. But above all, Herod was ruthless. Because he considered them a threat, Herod had his mother-in-law, his father-in-law, and even his wife put to death. Because he thought that they were trying to take his throne, Herod had three of his own sons put to death. Actions like these prompted Caesar Augustus, emperor of Rome, to say it would be far better to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. And Herod knew what people thought of him. And as he grew older, he knew that there would be relief, even rejoicing at his death. So he left an order in order to be carried out on the date that he died, that all Jewish nobles were to be killed. In that way, Herod would ensure that there would be real sorrow. There would be actual mourning the day he died. On this day, Herod was angry. He was more than angry. Herod was furious. The, the wise men, the magi from the east, had not returned to him. They had not sent a report to him. They had come to Jerusalem searching for a king, a newborn king, king of the Jews, because they had seen his star. This had greatly troubled Herod. But if it were true, Herod saw an opportunity. Herod seized an opportunity. He would find out where this new king, if he were, might be. He would send the wise men, and he would have them report to him. Then he would quickly take care of this so-called new king. He would then quickly take care of this usurper to his throne. Well, based on the testimony of the scriptures, the Magi went to Bethlehem, but they went home another way. When Herod found out, he was angry, furious that they had not returned. Now, if there was a child king in Bethlehem, and if he could not find exactly who he was, then what Herod would do is just to kill all the children in Bethlehem, all boys under the age of two. Now, Herod determined this age, the age of two, by the, by the time that the wise man first saw the star appear in the sky, and he just added some time around it just to be sure. So he gave the order. All boys under the age of two, all boys in Bethlehem under the age of two were to be put to death. He would get rid of this king. But he was too late. Herod is a picture of sin. Herod is the personification of sin. Herod has a crown, and he doesn't want to give it up. The true king comes. A descendant of David, a, a son of David, and Herod wants to hold on to his crown. He rejects God's word. He rejects the child. He rejects the king. He becomes angry. He becomes furious, and he murders children. Rejection of God 
rebellion against the king always leads to sin against your neighbor. Always. It happened in Eden. It happened in the very beginning. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. Adam and Eve rejected God's word. They, they ate the forbidden fruit. And then what did they do? They turned on one another, blaming one another. And Paul describes this very thing in Romans chapter 1. Listen to verse 28. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. When God is not acknowledged, when God is rejected, that's when you do what ought not to be done. That's when you sin and you sin against your neighbor. And then Paul goes on to list examples, evil, malice, envy, murder, strife, deceit, gossip, slander, ruthlessness. That's sin. That's Herod. But it's also a picture of you. It's a picture of me. It's a picture of what we are capable of, for we are Herod within. Because truth be told, we like to wear a crown. Or we want to wear a crown. That we want to be king, we want to be queen. Not, not of everything, not, not, not of the world. Just our own world. To be able to do what you want, to be able to say what you want, to be able to think what you want without challenge, without question. To be Lord over your own life because after all, you're wearing a crown. And wearing a crown can feel good. And like Herod, you might not want to give it up. Now, some of you might be protesting in your minds right now. Now, wait a minute. I'm not exactly like Herod. Herod was evil. Herod was ruthless. Herod was a murderer. True. Maybe you haven't murdered your in-laws. Maybe you haven't murdered your children. Maybe you haven't slaughtered babies. But I bet you've been angry. I bet you've been furious. I bet you've been envious. I bet you've been deceitful. That's Herod. But Christmas is here. And it reminds us that the true king has come, that Christ is born in Bethlehem. And Jesus is not only the king, the true king, but he is the king of kings. He is Lord, Lord of lords. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Lay your crown before him. It, it is, after all, just a false crown. It's cheap. It's of your own making. Lay down your crown and acknowledge him. Acknowledge him as king. Acknowledge him as Lord over your life, over all of your life. Receive him. 
For this child is God with us, come to save us. In love, he became what we are. In love, he entered Mary's womb. In love, he was born in Bethlehem. In love, he wore a crown of thorns. In love, he was nailed to a cross, pierced, crushed for you, for your sins. By his death, he has overcome the Herod within you. He's overcome your sin. That's Christmas. God sent his only son and his birth brought love and peace and joy. But our passage reminds us it also brought hatred and death and sorrow. Joseph had to flee in the night. That hasn't changed 2,000 years later, that hasn't changed. Jesus still divides. Why? Because of Herod. The Herod within. It's hard to give up your crown. But when you are tempted to, when you are tempted to put your crown back on, remember Herod. Remember the slaughtered babies. And remember Christmas, the coming of the true King, the coming of Jesus born to save. And once again, lay that crown before him. Thank you for tuning in to Witness, a ministry of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. 